Hello, Team Builder, and thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Cavert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. I don't know if it's morning anywhere else, but it's still morning for us recording at, again, Training Wheels headquarters. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite trips to make over to Michelle's since we're so close to each other in relation to where distance we we had before. (laughs) Yeah. And this is our 50th. Yay! It's our 50th 50th episode. When we started, we had no clue what we were going to, how far we were going to go, if it was going to go longer than any. I I think we went into this just going with the flow. Yeah, absolutely. Chris said, hey, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, I don't even, I mean, uh, sure. Yeah. And (laughs) I would say a silver lining in pandemic. Yeah. Because... That's inspired that time inspired me to start uh, the on team building podcast, which then I want to do. St- I want to have a co-host, yeah. And that inspired me to ask you, and that so you know, looking at things that are not always so good, mm. you know, how can we see them differently? So yeah, that's part of the little benefit. And absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's been it's been totally fun. So in fifty, what are, what are we what are we talking about? Oh, today we're going to talk about how wisdom is like wine. And the rest of the quote is, it's often hard to know the quality until it has aged a while. Ooh, and this is from an unknown by? author. Unknown. I just ran across this recently, and it made me think of adventure education. And you and I have that path of, I think... We've been doing this long enough where we can say we've gained some wisdom. Absolutely. So I'm going to read that quote all together again. So wisdom is a lot like wine. It's often hard to know the quality until after it has aged a while. Oh, my gosh. And that is just so true. I mean, honestly, it's true for any type of learning. But in particular, I mean, so Chris and I, we've been sitting here for the last 20, 30 minutes. Like, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to frame it and all that? And, you know, we've just shared so many great stories in the last 30 minutes one-on-one about like, oh my gosh, I learned this and I had this experience, whatnot. And man, looking back, it's just been so fantastic. Um, And I think about the facilitator I was in my 20s versus, so here's another cool thing about the 50th episode is I'm actually approaching my 50th birthday. And so I've been facilitating now for right right at 30 years. And so 30 years, that's a long time to learn a lot of lessons in facilitating groups and so I love the work that we do so I'm excited to really share some some good wisdom today about things you know kind of how we got how we got our start uh, where it evolved lessons learned and then how and then translating that back to you the listener as well what's your wisdom and what are you learning and how do you get your information and and different things like that yeah and for both of us Michelle and I have our, I think our roots, our deepest roots, I think, are around project adventure. Mm. Uh, that uh, started out as a grant program in the 70s at an East Coast high school. A little bit of connection to Outward Bound and how do we get Outward Bound principles into everyday life or school. So there's a lot of history like that. 
But my first book I got a hold of was Carl Ronke's Silver Bullets, the mm. first edition. And somehow as a kid, I grew up just being outside all the time, loving games. I was an athlete. I liked playing games of all kinds, tabletop games, board games, outside. I was outside all the time. So I guess my wiring was around playing games, doing things we'd now call adventurous because mm -hmm. that unknown outcome, little risk involved, you know, it was exciting. And when I first got Carl's book, Silver Bullets, full of, it was just full of activities. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't the theoretical stuff necessarily. It was just, I, I would read one and then I'd get to work with my at-risk populations and figure out how the activities went with them. I wasn't really trained in debriefing as they first started using that word in the in the literature, and that's evolved over our wisdom. That's evolved over time. Not just debriefing, but it gets a little deeper. Uh, so that, you know, looking back, a lot of those silver bullet activities still work. So the yeah. wisdom is from that is still work, but I probably use them differently than I did mm -hmm. because I've used them so many times. How do you then use them to serve the purposes that you have? Right. So it's just a, a, a starting point, and it's so fun to look back. One of the things Michelle and I did is reinvigorating old classics. Oh, yeah. And we've seen how much it evolved from just doing pipeline, moving a marble mm -hmm. way back in the day and, get, and being successful in a simple task and now how do we purposefully use it? Mm -hmm. where, where you had shared with me your first Yeah, book. so I've actually never attended a Project Adventure workshop, if you can believe that, other than at conferences, like by some of the PA trainers, whatnot. Of course, I've been to th some of those, but I've never been on site to their location to take a training. Um, but what I did get was a my very first book I ever read in the adventure field was Islands of Healing. So ironically enough, I'm known really well known for debriefing activities and teaching other people about reflection and how to do it well. And the very first book I ever read was Islands of Healing because mm -hmm. at the time my, you know, my, the job that I had, I was working at a wilderness camp doing adventure therapy with with kids that were really having some, you know, issues, some tr you know, they were pretty troubled kids. And so so what I love about my history in, you know, writing, helping co-write Teachable Moment and creating, really having a passion for the debriefing is that I look back and really my, my roots, my foundations were in the what, the so what, and the now what, and really that, that, that level of processing. And, and then also taking that into what I do now and really thinking about how I back then was really conscious of the activities we did with kids because they were in such a trauma place a lot of them were and now looking back you know or now here in the here and now is that i think you know all the movement of trauma-informed care and things like that i i feel like my last 30 years of facilitation i've actually stayed pretty grounded and true to to being trauma-informed and selecting activities that were not going to, you know, impose more trauma on anyone and whatnot. So I'm so thankful looking back now that I had those roots because I feel like it probably really helped me be a better facilitator, you know, throughout my journey um, over the last 30 years as well. Yeah. And, and with that 
perspective looking back. Mm. My question is what when when is when does information or knowledge become wisdom? Mm. In and I think wisdom then becomes just maybe more personal. Mm-hmm. Um because we are learning from everybody. You and I have learned from so many people now over the years. We've, we've been able to share resources, writing books. Are we passing along wisdom or information? Mm. So, so like wine, if it's lasted over time, maybe it's qualified as wisdom. Oh, that's you know, a good point. We're, we're, we're throwing this out as, <laughs> as we go. So as listeners, as you know, what is your wisdom right now? What have you... Where have you gotten your information? Because mm-hmm. I think that we are bombarded with information. And then we pick out some of that information, which becomes our knowledge base. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my educational theory path. And then when we use it, we've learned how to use that knowledge in our particular situation. So again, have, you, have we used it long enough to become wisdom to pass on? I don't think we even, you and I either, we don't classify our things as wisdom we classify our things as hey we want to pass this on yep we want to get this to people early on when i started i was so excited about it i wanted to share it Mm -hmm. and this was in the 90s and there wasn't a lot of choices we traveled to places to gain wisdom we got our hands on books as Mm -hmm. much as we could it wasn't as easy as today of course uh and wisdom was somewhat hard to come by. So the few people we in, encountered, uh, get, we, we you know, grabbed all the wisdom we could. We both went to Mankato. Mm-hmm. You, have, you got some wisdom. There was a particular person there that you connected with. Absolutely. Jasper Hunt. Dr. Jasper Hunt mm-hmm. was my advisor there. And I took every class he offered during my tenure there because I just really enjoyed his teaching style. So, you know, I went straight from the east, the piney woods of eastern Texas at that wilderness camp to straight to my graduate degree. And that right there, so I took the experience that I had of learning the games and and having at least a basic knowledge of the deb- of, of you know, adventure therapy and debriefing and the what so what now what. And then I went and the next year I spent at Mankato, uh, Minnesota State University at Mankato. It's their experiential education master's degree program. And so I, and Jasper Hunt was my advisor. And that year was one of my favorite, like educational experiences of my, you know, of my, of my entire career, because I learned so much about the theory and, you know, the doctrine of, and, you know, why we do experiential education. It's basically a philosophy degree in hands-on learning and the reflection piece that comes with that and why it works so well. And so for those two things to be my really my foundation, um, and that's also literally where I met Chris, was we sat next to each other. My very first class at Mankato, I happened to just sit next to this random guy and it happened to be Chris Cabert, yeah. which was I think very, we shared that story we did. a while ago. <laughs> it's just interesting how, how life, you know, the circles, yep. how, we, how we are in those same things. And Jasper, I also had a class with Jasper. At the time, a lot of people sought his wisdom around ethics mm-hmm. and adventure education. His he had the he had the seminal book mm-hmm. on ethics. And when we were first starting out, we only knew a handful of names, mm-hmm. and then we sought those people out. I sought Carl out as much as I possibly could. I was I was sent to some PA trainings. 
never initially with Carl, but then I met him at workshops. So when you know the names, back then it wasn't very many. Mm -hmm. And then you tried to find out where they were and tried to get information from them, and it took effort. It did. I think even today, gaining wisdom takes effort, but I think they're... The accessibility. <laughs> yeah, th there is also that due diligence of, you know, who are you gaining wisdom from? Mm -hmm. There's, you know, how do you how do you choose what to pick up from people? Uh, does it inform your practice? Does it divert your practice? It, yeah, there's that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can go down. <laughs> but you and I uh, had that similar path of wanting to find out things we were interested in. Mm -hmm. and, and when you, so your, your path led you to starting your own business. How did, what wisdom, where did that wisdom come from? What did you, did you know someone else that had a business? Absolutely was, not. No, okay. I'm the accidental um, entrepreneur. <laughs> I, had, I had no Ooh. plans. You know, when I left, when I left Mankato and I went to work um, at an organization that Chris had previously worked at, actually, so we knew some similar colleagues there, um, worked there for a few years, and then, um, and that's where the, um, they had a ropes course there. I got to know the ropes course builder and started out um, helping the ropes course builder then manage some of their sites. And so then I went and got into directing ropes courses for a couple of years and would actually go to where a new course had was being built. I would help them build their course, write their staff manual, hire and train their staff, walk them through three to six months worth of their first initial clients and marketing plan and whatnot. And then I'd move on to the next one. And, and then the last place I did that was here in Colorado. And the day I moved to Colorado was the day I met my husband. And so at the end of my contract with that company, I couldn't just pick up and move then to where the next ropes course thing was. So, so that's when I decided, all right, well, if I can't build a ropes course where people can come to me, maybe I can build a portable course and maybe it can go to the people, right? And so just kind of flipping the, the perspective of it, right? Like people can't come here, but I can go there or things can go there. Mm -hmm. And I had created several team building activities that I would take with me to different conferences and I would show them to people and they'd be like, where did you get that? And I'm like, well, I went to these five stores and then, you know, I kind of put them all together in this little stuff sack or whatever. And they're like, well, you should put that together and sell it because I would totally buy that. So after hearing that message several times, then finally I was like, okay, maybe maybe there's room for, you know, a prop-based company in the in the field. Other than Project Adventure, clearly they were they were around as well and also selling their game bags and things like that. So, yeah. so yeah. that is really why, That's you know, crazy. I met a boy. <laughs> yeah. And th hey, that happens. That yep. happens. And, yeah. and when you were talking, what came to me was wisdom kind of has its limit. Mm. You you had the wisdom and the and the understanding or knowledge to help people build things. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the first project adventure book, one of the first was called Cows Tales and Cobras, but it was Cows Tales and Cobras one. It ended up being, mm. and that was in 1977, and they provided all of these pictures and diagrams and measurements to kind of help people build their own learn how to build their own mm -hmm. the interesting wisdom from that is all of the challenges that they met with putting out a book that helped others build a ropes course oh right 
So by 19, in the 80s, then 19, this was 1989 when Cow's Tales and Cobras 2 came out, they had eliminated all the mm. details and plans because of the wisdom they gained from helping others. Mm -hmm. They wanted to help others, but then there were the problems. So for you, that wisdom that you had up to that point is there, you know, there was only so much you could do. And then you had to create. Yeah. You had to, you found out that there was a limit to what you knew. And there were, we, we wanted to get it. So you created something and then put it out there. And now that new wisdom is growing and has grown over the years of your expertise in the processing and sharing people how we debrief things because there was a lack of. Right. There was a lack of that out there that we couldn't find. And I think the, the encouraging trying, you know, Michelle and I are looking for, you know, who are the next wisdom sharers mm -hmm. that are coming up? You know, we're still doing this, we're trying to share information so that we can learn and grow from it and what sticks will become, you know, wisdom down the road. But who's, who's looking at what's missing or what can I contribute to? There's so much to contribute to the wisdom mm -hmm. um, to make things get a little better. Like trauma-informed care, like you said, now we're a little more educated on trauma-informed care because we learned there was something going on, there were limits. Uh, so how do we expand that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting as you talk. I love that when we talk together, this is another thing how we gain wisdom is communicating with each other, talking to like-minded people, talking to your staff, talking to people that you work for. You know, what do you need? What do you want? What are we looking for? It's that constant reflection, I think, that also builds wisdom. Right. Is even AEE, which is also 50 years. Right, exactly. It's yep. interesting right in here, all our mm -hmm. 50th are all lining up, is when AEE started, it was about people wanting to get together with like-minded people and share wisdom. Yep. And and their, you know, their share, their conferences and all that, they have the big one and then the regional ones. This is about people getting together. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, you know, what... What are the kinds of things that you find, where you find wisdom today? Mm. Like, where do you find it? You know, I still go to conferences and I still go to other people's workshops because I still love learning from others. And that, I hope, and I actually know, will be a part of who I am forever. You know, I love going and, and just... See, even if maybe it's similar games, but maybe it's a tweak on how they do a little bit differently. I also love going into different, I love going to conferences in different fields than what we are. Not just all of our industry related conferences, but I, I also, because I get paid to go and present workshops at other industry conferences, I also, I, you know, that's, an, that's accessible to me because I'm already there. So why not go see what other fields and industries are really looking for. For example, give a give a couple examples because I know you go to a, a lot of interesting conferences. Can you give us a couple examples? Yeah, absolutely. I've got one coming up that's like a it's a child care um, and advocacy conference, yep. and so they take care. I mean, and it's for the staff that work with pre K um, toddlers and whatnot, and then basically K through five. You know, now, of course, in schools and whatnot, of course, that is a we we have activities that would fit the needs of those. 
But then when you go there, you learn of all the other things that are issues or problems or, you know, other knowledge that they're sharing at that same conference. You're like, oh, I have activities for that. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know what you don't know right. until it's, it presents itself, right? And so they're like, oh, I have fantastic activities that would work for working with the parents or, like, or you know, doing community outreach or things like that. But, but it's never been necessarily framed that way in one of my specific publications or, or anything like right. that or right. any specific in publication in the team building field, but it doesn't mean those activities aren't there. Yeah. So sharing that knowledge, sharing, you know, sharing that at, at conferences, learning what it is, and then, you know, offering to write a blog post for another field to continue to share. Here's how you could use this yeah. with your people. So you're, you're discovering in different areas what problems they have and how you might be able to help with Correct. the knowledge that you have. Yep. That's again gaining wisdom of I have some wisdom and understanding of how I might be able to solve your problems. It mm -hmm. might be a different way than you're used to, but you know, my my background in physical education, there's a lot of physical education conferences mm -hmm. all over, in your area, in your state. You go and that's a great place for adventure education. Uh, you go to uh, a, a corporate conferences, quite a bit of those, mm -hmm. that you learn their problem. That's Adventure education has been a good fit. So another, what would be something local for almost everybody to go to? Ooh. Would have been some, like almost every state. There are... Community Parks and Rec, that would be one. Parks and Rec mm -hmm. in the state will have a conference. Yep. Uh, those are places that you can go and lead. You know, you could do a team building workshop. Absolutely. You could find out. Um, there's probably uh, workshops that, or talk about team building and how mm -hmm. they do that within the rec program. So these are places that you can physically go and now virtually. Mm -hmm. There's so many conferences now presenting themselves virtually. I attended AEE, the Association for Experiential Education, that's now 50, as we said. Mm -hmm. And I can go back for the next month and watch every single workshop because yeah. they recorded them on Zoom. You know, we didn't think of that potential Maybe we did, but it was too difficult to, to pull off, but now we had to, so now we know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom gained is, oh my gosh, people from all over the world now can come to our international conference where that was limiting them before, mm -hmm. and now there are the tools. So the wisdom gained from this thing that we didn't want to go through and all the stuff that happened is now going to benefit, I think, in the long run, yeah. that if we do things virtually, more people can gain information. Yeah, you used to have to pick one workshop out of a time slot that had 12 to 15 workshops right. in it, and you got to go to four or five total throughout the entire conference, and now you can literally go to all of them yeah. if you have the time and effort that you want to put into right. it. So, Hey, how? let's wrap up with maybe what are the warnings, today's warnings about gaining wisdom? Uh, the idea of, okay, today we have a lot of opportunity to get information. What, would, what advice would you give people about learning and growing in today's context? Got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say make sure that your information source is credible, 
right? Yeah. That uh, just because that guy that you once knew at that whatever, like, f sent you a link to some YouTube video to whatever. Now that, you know, YouTube, of course, is a fantastic place to find you know, new things and to see activities and, and action, whatnot. Um, just make sure that, you know, when you watch it, you're taking in the information and then being able to tweak and change it to fit your needs. Right. You know, we were chatting about how, you know, some, you know, some of those sites will have instructions that will have like very, like literally three sentences, like here's how you do this activity. And then you have other sites that have you know, lots and lots and lots of information of how to do the activities. So, so making sure that when you do learn something new, that you vet it, and that uh, you know that you try it out and and really give it good thought before you yeah. um, you know do it with your participants. Yeah, line it up with what you are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. My biggest thing about learning is uh, I've I've been trying to narrow my scope of information in relation to the kinds of people that I read or follow. Mm. Uh, the kinds, maybe that's a wrong word, but there's so many people to follow right? and you have so much time. Mm -hmm. Is it, if you follow so many people, you get those Twitter sound bites mm. and you're not going really deep, but do you follow a, f a handful of people to build upon the things that uh, work for you. I don't know if this is making a lot of sense. You do also want to explore new ideas and thoughts. The things like blog posts, which are shorter reads. Can you find people in your area that do a, a blog that resonates with you? Um, then explore, you know, maybe explore one person every month or every couple of months that have a different idea. Or, But I think the internet is definitely searching for your topic of expertise, whatever you're doing in the adventure education field. Are there other people out there sharing information? You know, when you go to these uh, social sites, there are going to be a lot of different opinions mm. on a topic. So you, then you got to vet that. You got to get to say, do I agree with that? Do I disagree with that? Mm -hmm. Where is it coming from? How can I use it? So I, I think I'd rather at this point in time go a little deeper uh, and a few bases of knowledge and, and then strengthen what I kind of am, am behind, but then also explore a little bit of things that may um, not, may, I may not align with, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Just to see, well, you know, where are they coming from? What okay. is their opinion based on? Uh, there are a lot of people out there that don't consider trauma-informed care, as we talked about. Right. So, ooh, you know, if I did that, I am a little more aware of something else. How do I blend that idea with what I'm doing with my with my populations? So again, it's that little metacognition of thinking about the information before you use it in your context. Mm -hmm. Cool, yeah. So I love that. Gaining wisdom, do we know it's wisdom yet or just information? It's mm -hmm. kind of a, a point I'm pulling away from. If something's lasted over a long period of time, doesn't still doesn't mean it's wisdom, it's just a way of doing things. Yep. So I think how you interpret that's gonna be important. And I think another thing to just to, to kind of leave with is to also find a mentor or at least a community of people that you can, that you personally can share your 
ideas and knowledge with. I know, and Chris is clearly one of these people for me because we have known each other for so long. And one thing I love about Chris is that he, to his core, has been sharing information and knowledge since I met him. Um, I think we've mentioned in a past episode that he used to do this, you know, this this little newsletter that before there was the internet called The Notebook that he would share different ideas and things and he would physically photocopy and then mail copies to people and you know and now still to this day his website you know fundoing.com and on teambuilding.com is a wealth of information of blog posts and things like that so so Chris and I we clearly share information back and forth I'm like hey I have this client and I'm doing this so I think that's another part because there's times where you're going to have blind spots and you or I didn't necessarily think about that and so to have somebody that you can verbalize what your plans are what you're learning that is such a um, I think such an important part of being an emotional resilient facilitator and to help with your growth and to continue growing over the years is finding that support system and that value connection that comes from having an established relationship with either a mentor or a peer or a colleague in your in your circle. Yeah, part of gaining wisdom. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's on teambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training wheels.com. You can sign up for my fun doing Fridays activity email and find me at on teambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for ask Michelle and Chris about team building.